Welcome to the Easy Scaling Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Shonda King, and together we'll be exploring how successful entrepreneurs are actually scaling to six figures and beyond. My goal is to bring you conversations that are honest and transparent and to share the real, raw, nitty gritty details about what works and what doesn't. Alrighty. In today's episode, we're talking about how to build a community-focused business. This is a really fun conversation about all things related to engaging stakeholders, really just this community-based approach to building and growing and scaling a business, and also a lot of the messy behind-the-scenes stuff that you know we're known for here on this podcast what it's actually like to run a business, what it's actually like to build a team, all kinds of things, especially if you are on the more perfectionist side of things, which I'm guessing some of you are. So my guest is Pia Beck. She's the creator of Curate Wellco, which is a consulting configuration and community platform that helps brands change narratives and redefine norms and industries that are desperately calling for something different. I think what she does is just epically cool. She has a background in people operations in the tech and startup worlds. She has taken really that experience as well as some concepts she's learned in her past careers, her natural inclination to consider all of the details and to care really deeply about the people that she's working with. And she's built out this full stack approach that Curate Wellco is really known for. So I have a ton of fun with with this interview and it got my wheel spinning on lots of different things that we touch on. So I hope you really enjoy this conversation. Welcome, welcome everyone and welcome Pia. I'm so glad that you're here. Thanks for having me. I'm so yeah. happy to be here. Totally. We have no idea what we're going to talk about. I mean, we <laughs> maybe have like a little bit of an inkling, but I'm just excited to chat with you about your business model, about how you've grown and just see what comes up. I think it's going to yeah, be fun. Same. Okay. So when I say that, well, first let's do an intro, but then I, what I'm going to ask you is what's the first thing that we should talk about? Okay. So just heads up, but go ahead, give us an Great. intro and some context <laughs> of who you are and what you do. Cool. So my name is Pia Beck and my business is called Curate Well Co. And we help brand change narratives and redefine norms in their industries that we think and they think are desperately calling for something different. And we do that through our full stack approach, which is very much consumer centric. And so we help our clients with everything brand building related. Full stack is a technical term and it means both the front end and the back end. So front end is things that your community sees right? Like your website and your social media content and your emails that go out and anything that the consumer gets to interact with, basically. And then the back end is everything that powers that engine, right? So it's your project management software. It's your CRM software. It's your policies and procedures and all those good things. And we believe that when you take a full stack approach, which is both front end and back end, you're able to create a more integrated whole that better serves your customer. And so we help our clients build brands. And sometimes that looks like work on the front end. Sometimes it looks like work on the back end. And sometimes it's truly full stack and we touch every single part of their business. Yeah, super cool. And I love that you're using 
technical nerdy terms for this. What I think is interesting is that, of course, it's going to be a better experience for clients, customers, all of that. But oh my gosh, is it going to be a better experience for the business owner too? Like this is, oh, the, totally. this is the stuff, like not having this kind of comprehensive approach to your business is the number one thing that leaves business owners just like totally frazzled. A hundred percent. That that like fractured approach and experience yeah. is, has become really, really common, right? Like I'm going to do this piece over here. I'm going to hire this person to do this piece. I'm going to, you know, approach this piece and, you know, put that piece off for a while. Like we, yeah. we kind of fell into this fallacy about like growing a business that, you know, you have to do it really leanly and kind of like one piece at a time. And, you know, I definitely believe in lean growth and being really mindful of like where our resources go. And one of the things that I think people really don't realize is like, we can't design a beautiful website for you if we don't know what you're driving people towards. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like it's, it's just not going to do what you want it to do. It's, it's all connected. So I'm with you. On yeah. That. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean that like permeates, I think, everything in the business, that type of like thinking and that like different approach. And even that piece about, well, we can't make decisions about big things, like what your website needs to look like or how it needs to function until we can like back into that and know, well, what's the end goal? And totally. yes, that is the case for big decisions. But I even see that with our clients and with myself all the time that you can't make decisions about little things effectively if you don't have that like really big context. Like, what do I need to work 100%. on next week? Well, I can't answer that question unless I know what I'm selling next month totally. or the next totally. month or what's my goals for 2023 or whatever. Yeah, 100%. Right? And even bigger than that, like the like the big vision, like what's yeah. what what's are your you, purpose? What are you, what are you doing? <laughs> right. <laughs> like everything that everything that we do comes down to like, why are we here? Yeah. Right. Like it's a privilege to have a platform. It's a privilege to have a community of people who look to you for resources, information, support, services, opinions, whatever. Right. Like that's a privilege. And it's like, if we're gonna show up here, like why? Yeah. Like, what's the belief that's like actually driving our 2023 goals next year or what we're selling next month or like all of the other things? Yeah. Yeah. Ugh, I love it. Okay. So back to my question. When you think about your growth specifically in your business, what comes to mind as being like a really critical piece? Mm, that's a good question. So there have been a couple of really significant learnings for me. And what I'll say to kind of like ground my answer is that, you know, everyone talks about running a six-figure business, right? And then running a seven-figure business. And we, I built a six-figure business quickly and easily in retrospect, right? Like within a couple of months and by myself and without any sort of infrastructure and like it just, you know, everyone kind of like... It's an important benchmark, but in retrospect, it was like the easiest thing I've done since starting my business. <laughs> yeah. Everything that has come after that, as we've continued to grow and hire and, you know, pursue all of these other benchmarks is like that's that's been the hard part, right? Like I look back at like my goal of like having a six-figure business and I was like, oh, oh, life was so easy when I had like nothing else <laughs> to worry about. And so, you know, there's 
it's 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 a it's a benchmark that I think is notable, but it's it's not the be all end all. And what I would say to anyone who's like kind of working towards that right now or living in that world is like, do it. But like, there's always going to be like a next benchmark for you and it doesn't actually matter. And the learnings that I've had in our growth, that has been like messy, hard learnings. What happens in those conversations, in those decisions, in like that refinement of processes and like that, like executive decision making, like that's the growth that I'm most proud of. And like those are the things that I think matter most for the future of your business. So there have been a couple things. I am someone who's always had a hard time like letting go right? Like when people are like, like, just go with the flow, right? Like, you know, why, why are you, you know, don't be so structured, whatever. So I, I struggle to, to let go. And also I'm a type one on the Enneagram. I don't know. Mm, uh, Me too. You're familiar. Okay, cool. So I'm a refiner, right? So like, I see the possibility in everything, right? I'm like, I see this thing here and like, oh, but it could just be like that. Right. If it was just just a little bit more like that. Right. Exactly. (laughs) And so, you know, people, people, call that perfectionism. And what I experience is actually just like a really fierce belief in possibility, right? Like I see something and I'm not like, let's make it perfect, right? Let's dehumanize it. I'm like, oh, you know what would be really cool, mm-hmm. right? Like it's it's just like that vision of like two steps further. So anyways, I like to hold on to things. That's the whole point of this explanation. And one of the biggest lessons I've had to learn is to fail fast, which really requires like letting things go, so much earlier in the process, like that first inkling, that first gut feeling of like, this doesn't feel right. This isn't right. This isn't working. Like learning to accept that right away without question and just like fail faster so I can move on to like the next thing. That has been one of the hugest factors in our growth. And I'm still not like amazing at it, right? There's times where I still don't do that, but I've gotten a lot better at it. And I think that that's a big part of what's allowed us to you know, really focus on the things that matter and and feed those things and and experience that growth. So that's one yeah. thing that's been been huge for me. And I think another thing that I'll say about our growth is community. We are now starting a new venture that we're not quite ready to talk about yet at the time of this recording because things are still very much in motion. But it's been such a good reminder for me that Anytime you are initiating something, anytime you are starting something, anytime you are building something, you have to socialize it, right? Like you have to take this idea that you have and communicate it in a way that's resonant to the people around you, right? Not just you, not just your team, not just your customers, but you really have to be like, I need to get all of the people around me like on board for this idea. I need to talk about it in a way that's relevant to them and what it means Mm -hmm. for them. And when I was building Curate Wellco in the beginning, I just like leaned so heavily into community, right? I was like hosting in-person workshops. I was networking with everyone I could possibly meet. I was, you know, really just taking a very grassroots approach to growing the business. And we still do that. But, you know, we got to a point where I didn't have to do it as much because we kind of had this, this lovely engine running. And now that we're kind of starting from scratch on this expansion and we're, you know, doing something new, we've gone back to community. And we're taking this grassroots effort and really like socializing Curate Wellco into our local 
community here in Santa Barbara, where I'm based. And it's been such a good reminder that like nothing can replace that. No amount of social media ads, no amount of like sexy copywriting, no amount of automation or funnels, like nothing replaces connecting with real people, getting real feedback and enrolling people into what you're trying to do. Like that is just the, I, I so firmly believe that that is the strongest foundation that you can build for your business is to be surrounded by a resourced community. Okay, tell me more cuz I'm I'm very I'm intrigued by what you're talking about. Are you talking about specifically like boots on the ground local people yeah, who totally. are in your community like physically in your community? So not always, right? Like for us right now because of this expansion that we're taking on, that's what we're doing. Boots on the ground locally, literally like in our geographic community. Yeah. And and it doesn't have to be like that right? It can be virtual. It can be in online communities. It can be on social media. It can be everywhere. So it's it's a both and. And it really depends on what you're trying to do and where, and where those people are, right? Mm-hmm. Just going back to that consumer-centric approach, it's like, well, where are the people who like need to be involved in this and like go to them. And so, you know, we do this in our membership, our online community. I'm in a number of other online communities. We do it on social media with kind of like our broader community as well. And yeah, it's just going out of your way to people, like really connect with them, right? Not like, oh, hey, I stumbled across you on social media and thought I'd reach out and say hi. It's like, oh, hey, I saw that you had a baby recently, like, and you came back to work really quickly. Like, how is that going for you? Like, I have a friend who, you know, this is her first week back at work after having a baby and she's like totally overwhelmed. Like, how are you, Jordan? How are you doing? Right. It's like human. Yeah. (laughs) Like actually really connecting with people and then taking the initiative to like take it one step further and like have a real conversation and, and yeah, socialize and, and integrate your idea with the people around you. Yeah. Tell me some more concrete ways that you're doing that. Yeah. Like, yes, definitely have conversations with real people. (laughs) Super important. (laughs) But then especially as you, as you mentioned it with how it relates to like, as you're creating something new in your business, what does that look like? Yeah, totally. So Okay, so I'm going to just kind of like start at the beginning because it's it's a process, right? Yeah. So like this thing that we're working on right now is something that I've been thinking about for years and years and years and have been working on for a year, right? And like, we're not even talking, it's not even out yet. We're not even talking about it yet, right? We're like, we're close, we're so close, but like not quite. So like, it takes time, depending of course on like the scale of whatever it is that you're doing, right? So like, if you're launching a podcast, which we did earlier this year as well, that's very different than you know, it, it depends on the size. Like the length of time depends on the size of what you're doing. So starting all the way at the beginning, the very first thing I like to do is get the idea out of my head onto paper, right? And I do that through like why, how, what? Why are we doing this? How are we doing it? And like, what is it? So like short, sweet, just like here's like the bare bones concept of this. And then I think about like, what are the problems that this is solving, right? So like, why Why is this worth people's time, attention, money, et cetera? Like, what's it going to do for people? What problem is it going to solve? How is it going to empower them? How is it going to create a ripple effect out into the community that's beneficial for a lot more people? So, like, what's the problem it's solving? Once I have that core bit of information, I'll run it by a very small group of kind of, like, trusted people, but people who have 
like informed context, right? So like I can take that idea and run it by my partner who's a quantum physicist and he's going to be like, yeah, cool, babe, love it. <laughs> he doesn't know anything about anything. <laughs> and I don't know anything about anything about what he does either, right? Like he's not he's not informed. He can be supportive. He can give me feedback from a different perspective, but he's not really going to be able to help me like validate that idea, right? So I pick people who I know can either validate or invalidate the idea based on the context that they have. And I'm like, gut reaction, what's your thought on this? And just like, and like, then I, you know, let them talk or whatever, but I'm really paying attention to like right away, immediately, like what's their first reaction to this idea? Um, And then once I have a little bit of validation, there may be like some tweaking in there based on, you know, that initial reaction, whatever. Then I start to conduct kind of like wider discovery. So I have a lot of conversations with a lot of people. You can do this through like social media, right? Through interviewing people in your community. What I prefer to do is think even wider than that and like kind of categorize the people I'm having conversations with. So you want conversations with potential stakeholders, right? People who are going to buy into either literally or figuratively this idea. You want to have conversations with people who've done what you're trying to do and are just like, here's the one lesson that I never thought I was going to have to learn. And it like knocked me on my ass. And like, I'm telling you now, (laughs) like you want to talk to people who've done it. Right. And then you want to talk to people who are going to be like affiliates and champions of what you're doing. Right. Like, would you get behind this? Would you talk about it? Would you spread word of mouth, et cetera? And then you want to talk to people who know all the things that you don't. Right. So like I was talking to to someone on a networking call earlier and she used this phrase that I absolutely love, which was chief everything officer. Like you just can't be right. Like, I don't know, like the legal structure that I need for X, Y. Like, I need to talk to someone who's, like, way more qualified than I am in, like, certain things. So, like, know your limitations. It's worth it to pay those people for their help. <laughs> and so I then I figure out all the things that I, like, didn't know I didn't know. Once I've done, like, deep, deep, deep discovery, then I start putting together, like, a pretty polished pitch, right? Maybe this looks like a pitch deck. Maybe it looks like a Google Doc. Maybe it looks like Instagram slides. Maybe it looks like a script. I mean, whatever. It can come in whatever format you want. The format is dependent on the situation. And then I get it out to people. I'm like, here's who Here's who I'm going to pitch this to, and let's just like start getting some buy-in. So we did this with our podcast, actually. We launched our podcast with a couple of sponsors, which is something I'm really proud of because it's pretty unheard of if you're not like yeah. a celebrity. And it was through this process, right? I like went to certain people and was like, hey, Like, I pitched them the podcast, I pitched them the opportunity, made it relevant and resonant to them, and it worked. And so then I'll start pitching it. And then once you've got buy-in from, you know, a critical mass of people, then it's about getting into action, which I think is honestly where a lot of people get stuck. I see a lot of people, when they get to the point of taking action, kind of go back to the idea and, like, want to change it again. And my opinion, again, taking a consumer-centric approach, is that the only way you know what to edit is through consumer feedback, right? Like, you have to start somewhere. You have to take action. You have to do something. You have to put out a consumable something, actually deliver it, actually see how it goes, actually see what the feedback is, and then edit the features, release new features, make it better, change it, rethink it, whatever, based on the people who are actually giving you money and what they have to say about it. (laughs) And so getting into action is, excuse me, is really, is really important. We work in an agile format, which we can talk about later. And so we kind of timeline and sprint out our action plan. And then we start doing what we can. 
And when we get hung up on one thing, we, you know, kind of say, okay, I can't move forward on this thing. What can I move forward on over here with a goal to just take weekly action until the thing happen. So high level, that's kind of like what it looks like. Some more tangible examples and what it's looked like for us very specifically is a ton of like in-person coffee dates, networking with people in our community of all those various types that I mentioned and not being afraid to like ask questions, right? Like I don't go into that with like, tell me what you know. I go into that with like a list of questions where I'm just like, based on who you are and what you've done, these are the things that I think you know, and I'm just going to like pepper you with questions until you tell me to stop. Um, <laughs> nicely, right? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Of course. And so we've done a ton of networking in person. We've also done a ton of like local market research. So we got really narrow on our market research and we did a really heavy like competitor analysis and like landscape, right? What's out there? What are strengths? What are weaknesses? And we actually consumed a lot of that ourselves too. So we looked at, you know, what's available online and kind of like formed our opinions or whatever. But we actually also like spent money and like went around and like consumed different people's products so that we could really like validate again our observations or invalidate them. It's also looked like joining a lot of community groups. So again, going back to like the importance of community, it's always easier to get into a group of people than to like kind of pull one person at a time into your mm -hmm. community. Like go where your people already are congregating. And so we've gone to a whole bunch of like local networking groups, right? There's like a YPO group. There's like women in business. There's like women economic ventures. There's like all these, you know, organizations that attract different types of people. And so we've been making an effort to go to all of those events and get more involved from there as well. Yeah, man. Okay. I, I wonder if everyone listening is like, Ooh, where are we going to go with this? Because there's so <laughs> many things. There's so many things that we could we could go down rabbit holes on it, that you talked about. So let me see if I can like pull out the ones that I think might be quick. I mean, this all sounds like market research. I mean, generally, right? But it, it's almost like expanded out to include stakeholders as well, instead of just like focusing on the people that you're going to sell to, which I think is really cool. It's so market that research, but it's also enrollment. Right. So we're not just gathering information. We're actually enroll like actively enrolling people. The people who 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 want to be enrolled, right? We're not right. trying to sell anyone who like doesn't want to be there. But as we're doing this research, we're also identifying the people who are the right people to be involved in some way or another, right? As a partner, as a stakeholder, as a customer, yeah. as an affiliate, as a friend, a champion, whatever. And then we're enrolling them. And that's in my opinion, a, a leadership skill, right? Of yeah. like, how do we really emotionally, logistically, socially invite someone into something that we're doing? Yeah, yeah. I love this too, because it, it's giving me flashbacks to my first business. And you differentiated between asking people who you know, <laughs> like, hey, what do you think about this idea? And some people are going to be qualified to give you an answer and some people aren't. And that's not that you don't, you know, run it by your your husband or your, you know, mom or whoever. Totally. They play a different right. role, right? Right. They yeah. play different roles, but totally. we don't necessarily need to be making financial business decisions based on the fact that our mom thinks it's a great idea, which sounds obvious, but that's not actually like that can be applied to even potential customers. And I think people oh, totally. get, get into this sometimes and they, they, it, it's almost like a fallacy of like, if I 
if I ask a bunch of my potential customers if they think this is a good idea and they all say yes, then when I actually offer it to people to buy, they're going to buy and that just doesn't always happen. And so how are you hedging specifically against that when you're getting your feedback? Yeah, totally. I I love that you brought this up because it's so true, right? And I think it's one of the most frustrating things for business owners when you're like, they asked for it and I made it and now they're not buying it. Like, what is going on? I've experienced that. I'm sure you have too. I think everyone has at some point, right? And it's so frustrating. So (laughs) I'm so glad you brought that up. I think that, okay, so there's a couple things here. And part of it is that enrollment piece I was talking about, right? Which is just because someone says they want something doesn't mean that they are enrolled and bought into it right? You still have to, you still have to do that part, right? Validating an idea and then rolling someone into the idea such that they actually opt in are like two different things. So part of it is that like enrollment piece that I was talking about. And as part of that, and also like maybe adjacent, is the the kind of like strategic work you do to actually deliver the product, part of which requires like selling it to people. And so I think what that looks like is being really thoughtful and intentional of how you actually build the offer, right? So you've got this idea. How you actually build it, I think, is a next step that I don't know that people always put as much attention on as they could or don't go into as much detail about as they could. And there's kind of like the, you know, technical part of that. But then there's also the consideration of like, is it marketable? Right. So you might you as you're as you're like kind of crafting the features of whatever you're delivering, you want to think ahead to like, how am I going to market that feature? Right. Not just how do I build the feature, but how do I build the feature such that I can talk about it in a powerful way? That's not a lot. Right. We want it to be truthful, obviously, because it's going to catch up with you if it's not right. Like, I can't tell you how many people I know who are like, well, you know, I was marketed this thing and I bought it and I got inside and it's just like not what it was. Like, that's not what we're talking about, right? But it's like, you know, like kind of really through and through integrity of these features. Like, is it what people want? Is it designed to really, really solve their problems? And do you know how to talk about it in a way that is resonant to the person that you're talking to? Mm-hmm. So thinking ahead to like, how am I going to talk about this? How am I going to market this is definitely a consideration that I think a lot of people miss. Did and you do think- this? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. And then no, no, I'll you ask go. you. A- okay. Did you do this specifically with the podcast? And can you give us a specific Mm. example of how you did that? Ooh, okay. Good question. I love that. So yes, I did. I'm thinking of how I want to pose this example. Okay. So we did a lot of research about our podcast, right? Like how long do you want it to be? Do you like solo episodes? Do you like interview episodes? You know, like what are good ads? What are bad ads? What drives you nuts in podcast episodes? Like I have certain things where I'm just like, it just drives me freaking crazy. Everyone has that, right? We're like, totally. Yeah. So we did a lot of research about that, right? And then we actually go to like kind of structure the episode, put together the messaging around the podcast and like why it exists and what we're doing. And what we settled on was interviewing founders and business leaders about not the tactics that they use. Right. So one of the things we were playing around with was like, well, do people want, you know, like actual tangible like advice about like do this thing, take this approach. Let's talk about SEO. Let's talk about emails. Let's talk about like all of these things. And what we actually learned was that our community wants access to ideas and they don't want to 
hear that idea explicitly. They want a conversation that gets them Mm, to think mm -hmm. of the idea. And so we ended up interviewing founders and leaders about how they do business, right? Not why they started, not what their mission is, not the tactics that they use, but just like, yeah, how do you do business? Like, what does that look like? What does your life look like? What does it look like behind the curtain? What are the tough decisions you've had to make? When did you fall on your face? What's made the biggest difference for you in your journey? If you were going to say the thing that like no one else is willing to say, like, what is it? With the goal of our listeners gaining access to ideas about how they can do business differently. And so when I was thinking about like marketing that, I was thinking about, you know, okay, cool. We're going to interview leaders that our people need to know about. That was another big thing is I didn't want to interview all the people that all of our people already know about, right? I wanted to show them a new name of like, oh, who's that? That sounds cool. I've never heard of this person. So leaders you need to know about. And we're not talking about the latest trend or the latest tactic. We are telling timeless stories about running business and growing business. Is that a good example? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And and I think the specific thing I was wondering is like, as you're thinking through the features, which is what you were talking about, how are you actually going to market those features? And I think that's yeah. a great example of this is the content and the structure or whatever of the episode or, or yeah. the podcast or what your new offer or whatever it's going to be. And thinking through to, well, why did we make that decision? And then, and then how are we exactly going to explain that to people so that they, again, are like, oh yeah, that's exactly what I want. And yep. I love everything that you said, by the way, about your podcast. And I'm gonna have to go listen to it because I feel very similarly about what we've done with this podcast because, yeah, I mean, I love all kinds of podcasts and I think they all have their place. I personally don't like short form podcasts, but that's a personal thing. I don't yeah. like listening to something where at the end, I know someone's going to sell me something, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. if you're talking about SEO and what you sell as SEO, like just, I'm not into that. Right. And so for the most part, the people that I have on this show are not talking about anything that they actually sell. Totally. Now there's some exceptions to that, of course, and there always will be. But for the most part, we're looking for that behind the scenes stuff that you're talking about. Like what are yeah. the conversations that that we should be having that we're not really talking exactly. about? Exactly. Uh, and there's all kinds of things that you can talk about. Oh, there's about so many. In, in that space. <laughs> and that's what's so cool. Yeah, totally. Uh, so, okay, I have one more question about the podcast while we're on this tangent and then we'll we'll come back to kind of okay. the, the bigger picture stuff we were talking about. The sponsors piece, I think is super yeah. interesting. And you're right. I haven't, I don't, I mean, I can't think of any examples of people who have, launched with sponsors. And yeah. I think a lot of people are in two buckets when they think about launching a podcast. One is I'm going to grow this podcast with the end goal of eventually having sponsors and that's how it's going to be monetized. And then other yeah. people are like, I'm going to grow this podcast specifically to be like the place where I show up and I sell my own things. Like those yeah. feel like the two big buckets. And I definitely fall in the latter bucket of you know, this is my favorite way to create content. This is totally. my favorite way to provide value to my audience. And it's my favorite way for people to get to know me. And if they want to work with me, fabulous. So I don't really have any intention of looking for sponsors. Yeah. But I want to know more about that because maybe I'll change yeah. my mind. <laughs> yeah, totally. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll tell you kind of my thought process. So I'll start by saying that I am kind of both of those categories, right? So what I 
you know, I mentioned like kind of growing leanly earlier. And what I'll say is that similar to you, like I love creating content this way. I just so enjoy like the expressiveness of audio and feeling like I am actually getting the chance to like truly connect with people in a way that I think like an Instagram story just like doesn't always succeed at. And so I love this format of content. And like we're a business without bottomless resources, right? And it, as, as I'm sure you know now, a couple episodes in, like producing a podcast is so much work, like yeah. so much work. <laughs> like if anyone out there is thinking about starting a podcast, like it is, it is a ton of work and you can systemize it and you can automate parts of it and you can, you know, make it as smooth as possible, but it still is just like time consuming, right? Like it takes a lot of time to produce a high quality podcast episode, let alone a season, in my opinion. And so I knew that I wanted to at least like cover some of the costs. So for example, when we were building out our podcast, I felt really strongly about the music at the beginning. <laughs> for for anyone who is listening, so I was diagnosed at the end of last year with OCD. So there are like certain things that I like really hone in on that like my brain just like latches onto. And podcast music like super randomly like is one of those things. Like I don't really care so much. Like, it's not like a values thing. It's mostly just like my brain literally just like notices podcast music. And so I was like, okay, if I'm going to launch a podcast, like I got to have like banger music at the beginning. So I actually hired a local band that did custom music for us. They wrote and recorded and produced a custom like two minute track for our podcast music. And so, you know, paid for that obviously. And then we had like legal agreements, right? So we had the legal agreement so that we could own that music. We have a legal agreement for people coming on as guests. And so those were upfront costs too. And so I was like, all right, if I just like, quote unquote, donate my time to like producing high value, long form, free content, (laughs) I still have some like kind of fixed costs that I would really like to cover until the podcast is monetizable. Right. And so I was like, okay, like, what would it look like to have some sponsors? We have a couple of brand relationships that I've been building for years. And so I approached those people because we already had a relationship with them. And I was like, hey, I'm launching a podcast. I came to you first. Do you want to buy ad space on the podcast? It's going to be super cheap because we're building this podcast from the ground up. So I'm going to give you like really reasonable pricing. We can generate a custom code so that you can track it. And here's what I can promise you in terms of like the quality of the ads. You're going to get a creative brief. You can approve all of the ad content. It's going to be like storytelling focused. You know, I, I think this would be a really interesting way to get in with your community differently. And so, yeah. So we we were able to cover we're not making money <laughs> on, on the ads from the podcast, right? And but we but we yeah. were able to cover a lot of like the startup costs. I also yeah, have a awesome. produce I have a producer, right, who I pay, who does yeah. all of the editing and whatever. So yeah, you know, there are like more costs to creating podcast content than like social media content. For sure. Just in general. Like there's more software subscriptions, there's more like the whole the whole thing. So I wanted to at least just like cover some of the cost until the podcast really became profitable, which is the end goal eventually, right? So that was my thought process. On the other side, like I I am, you know, it is a platform for my voice, which is something I'm, you know, really passionate about. And it is a way to welcome people into our community. So we do run a mid-roll ad to our membership with a discount. And our membership is kind of like the first stepping stone for anyone who kind of wants to like see what Curate Well Co. is all about. Like join our community, 
get a feel for how we communicate and how we operate and the types of things that we can help with and the approach that we take to business and yada, yada. So so it's a long-term game, I think, for both of those things, right? And we hope that it is eventually directly profitable through sponsorships and indirectly profitable through you know, inviting more people into our community that we're not necessarily connecting with yeah. in our existing channels. This. I'm glad you mentioned the mid-roll ad because I was going to ask you exactly how you're integrating the ads. So for the folks who are paid sponsors, mm-hmm. where are their ads going and you're reading them, mm-hmm. you're like mm-hmm. writing and then they're approving and then you're reading them. So they are more narrative based. Yep. And then are they paying a flat fee or as you grow, will their costs be tied to that? Yeah, good question. So we have, so I put together a couple of different packages, right? Do you want to be in every episode? Do you want to be in every other episode? And do you want to be pre-roll or mid-roll? So pre-rolls at the beginning before you start, mid-rolls about halfway through. And they're priced differently, right? And so we have two pre-roll sponsors. One of them is in every episode and one of them is in every other. So when you listen to our podcast, every other episode has either one pre-roll ad or two pre-roll ads. None of them are longer than like 60 seconds. So they are narrative-based, but we tried to keep it like as short as we could while making a point, right? Because I don't think anyone likes those ads where it's like, you're telling a story, but after five minutes, you're like, okay, this is an ad. (laughs) Good story, but like get to the punchline, right? Let's move on. So we tried to keep them pretty short. And then we have one paid sponsor in a mid-roll ad. And then we do our membership ad mid-roll as well. And right now there's nothing post-episode because that's the lowest value placement, right? Because people have gotten the goods and then they stop listening. Yeah. So they're priced differently and we priced it for the whole season. So we said, this is our first season. We're growing our listenership from the ground up. So here's your flat rate for this number of ads for season one. And they paid that in full and they get season one. And then we'll revisit and see if they want to renew for season two. I love it. How long is your season? How many episodes? 24. Are they in their week? So they're weekly. Every other week. Okay. Every other week drops. Yep. Two a month for a year. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool. Yeah. Well, as everyone listening knows, I like to just pick brains about things that I'm personally interested in. So that's what that was, everyone. Hope (laughs) you enjoyed it. (laughs) It's helpful to a couple of you. All right. So let's see if we can find our way back to what we were talking about before I took us down this path. Or or we can just pivot. (laughs) Yeah. Let's pivot. whatever you want. What do you want to talk about? What else seems like super important that we need to talk about? We talked about the community-based approach. Was there anything else you wanted us to wrap up on that piece of things? No, I feel like we really did justice to that. I mean, I don't, I, I know that a big theme for you in these conversations is like the, like what it really takes to to grow a business, right? And kind of the like, not, you know, here's what's going really well, but like, here's, here's all the, all the messy things oh, yeah. that happen. And I've got, <laughs> I've got plenty of those stories. So all right. yeah, maybe we go down that path. Let's do it. What feels, what feels like a, a good lesson learned that you think is probably relevant to a lot of people? <laughs> So I think that, and and you can probably speak to this too, I think growing a team is like one of the most challenging parts of growing a business. And I wasn't expecting that, right? Like I have a background in, I worked in people ops, which is HR before I started my business. And so I was like, yeah, no problem, right? Hire a team. This is my jam. Easy peasy. And (laughs) it's been, and it's been so challenging in so many different ways to grow our team as our business has grown that I was not expecting. And when I think back to like the hardest things that I've done in the last three years, like that is 
probably in slot number one. Wow. Uh, and and you know I, I'm I have a great team right now. They're they're awesome. And like there's just like really real challenges that came along with like getting to that place. Yeah, it's it is definitely challenging, and I think it's definitely challenging across the board for most people. Yeah, and obviously that's one of the big reasons of <laughs> what my business does and why what we do is so valuable is because we take that away for the most totally. part from people having to worry about. Yeah, and it helps that knock on wood, I have been extremely fortunate in the process of building a team that I have yeah. always found fantastic people. I haven't had. I've had almost zero turnover That's uh, in the last year. And it's so all of that to still say it's an insane challenge. It, it's oh, it, yeah. like you said, it's one of the most challenging things that I do that I do actively and have done, even though it's gone extremely well for me. And I've been, I think, very fortunate in the grand scheme of things. And part of it goes back to what you're we talking about at the beginning around being an Enneagram one and the control aspect. And I was watching yeah. Vampire Diaries last night for everybody who wants to know what I do in the evenings. And Caroline Forbes was talking about how she was like, control is the only thing I have, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and it can feel like that. It can feel like that when it's your business, it's yeah. your baby, especially if you're an Enneagram one or you have any kind of personality type that like falls into that bucket of like naturally yeah. wanting control over things and feeling like you know the best way to do it or being a perfectionist or whatever. That's where I think the team challenges really come into play. Yeah. Um, and I think you mentioned you're like, I'm still not like the best at it. Like, you know, it's like yeah. a, a learning process and I feel the same way. Totally. And I just sent a message to a couple people on my team right before I jumped on this podcast. And I was like, here's all the things that I need to do this week. And I know for a fact that I am bottlenecking everybody else. <laughs> right. I haven't, I haven't gotten to a lot of these things and yeah. I probably have no business doing half of them. Please tell me what I should actually be doing and what I shouldn't. You know, it's yeah. like kind yeah. of learning how to manage yourself is 100%. like the biggest piece. Yeah. Totally. That's awesome that you that you haven't had any turnover in the last year. That's that's incredible. We I've had, had essentially no turnover. I've had yeah, one person. Drop that's off. awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. We have had turnover over the past two years, and it's been it's been so it's so hard, right, to like ramp up someone new, and that's a big problem that we're solving in our business with our clients as well. With our our full stack approach is not having to ramp up someone new, not having to play telephone between providers. Yeah. You know, just kind of like integrating, and we can talk about kind of our vertical integration process in a second. But it's been so challenging, but it also just totally shaped who I am as a person and and who I am as a leader and and continues to, right? Like I learned a lot about myself to your point. And I also learned a lot about like the type of person that is going to like carry the Curate Well co-vision forward, right? And, you know, on the note of failing fast and letting go, like I, I just see so much potential in people that I've had to get, I think a little bit more discerning about like, you're an awesome person. I love what you're doing but you're not going to be happy here. You're not going to like the way we work. You're not going to enjoy the like level of refinement that we put into our client deliverables and the fact that sometimes we stray out of scope because we know it's going to make a difference. You're not going to like, you know, how quickly we communicate and how quickly we work. You're, you know, and I think that I don't like to do that, but I've had to learn how to because the turnover that we've experienced has just been because of that, right? People are like this this isn't the way I like to work. And it's like, that's fair. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think part of the the hard thing of doing that is like 
really settling on what are those values that are very important to your business and to you as a business owner or manager or whatever. And that was a big learning curve for me. And it took me a long time of figuring out, oh, this is why things aren't working with this person in this position, because I value X, Y, and Z (laughs) in this process. Right. I haven't even communicated that to people. I'm kind of just like expecting them to know, I guess, by osmosis or like by watching (laughs) me or like, I don't know what I was expecting, but that's a hard piece of like putting words to the values and the expectations and then like clearly communicating them to people. Yeah, definitely. And I also think that we're like living in a time where so few people like say what they mean and mean what they say. Mm, mm Mm-hmm. And as a type one, like you probably do that and I do that too. So when I say something, (laughs) I assume that people are going to like understand that I'm like saying what I actually mean. And so I think you're right that like, yes, honing in on those values and communicating them for sure. But I've also noticed that even when you do communicate them, I think that there's sometimes a disconnect of like, oh, I didn't realize that you, when you said like, you know, I don't know, radical ownership that you meant like radical ownership. (laughs) Right. So that's been a learning curve for me, too, of like not only finding the language, but finding the language in like multiple different ways and also explaining a little bit about myself and how I communicate and saying up front, like I say what I mean and I mean what I say. Like if I'm saying it, like I need you to hear it because like it's 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 the takeaway that I want you to have from this conversation. So that's been really, really interesting too. Yeah. We talk a lot in terms of transparency. That's the right. the word that I use with clients, with team, with this podcast, yeah. with everything. Like that is one of our core fundamental values yeah. in everything that we do is transparency. And I actually mean that. Like I actually right. mean the word transparency. And then, so when I'm saying other things, it's because I'm being honest and transparent and Definitely. like that, that has to be a big a big part of everything that we do and goes, I, I think I've talked about this on another episode around radical honesty. Yeah, totally. So hearing you say radical ownership, I'm like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think we're, we're on the same page here about a lot of these things because <laughs> yeah. radical honesty is super, super important. And I have to, I have to over communicate that to my team and constantly be like, seriously, no, I do actually want feedback and suggestions. No, seriously, I do really want to know what you think. Where are the opportunities to improve? Totally. I don't want you to just agree with me because because I'm the boss. Like, I need to know these things. And it's actually important. And I think there's so much value in hiring a team that can compliment you on that, right? Like, I have have two full-time salaried employees on my team right now, plus a suite of part-time and contracted employees as well, or or contractors. And, you know, I hired a really important position full-time salaried recently. And when that person came on, we had a little bit of like friction and she was really worried about that. And I was like, this is great. I was like, this is what I needed in this role. I needed someone to push back, to hold me accountable, to speak up, And like, there's going to be certain things where like, I do have the final call because I've been doing this for three years. And like, there's certain things that I know, but like, I need you to keep leaning into these conversations, right? Like if you feel that friction, like don't take it personally. Don't think that I'm just going to override what you're saying. Like that's, I need that, right? I need someone who thinks about it differently than I do, who would take a different approach than I would to like do this with me. And I think that's, I think that's so valuable too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For sure. I think that's where, as we've grown, and I think everyone knows we've grown very, very fast. And so we have 
three employees and expect to have seven in the next 30 to 60 days, which is kind of like, and and that's in addition to our contractors, right? So we have a team of over 15. And so when you have that many people that you're managing, (laughs) things get, things can get a little wonky, like, and not in a bad way. It's just a big part of what I feel like my job is right now, as we're growing this fast and have so many people to manage is figuring out again, who needs to be in what seat and who are the people who I need to be thinking like me versus who are the people who I need to be challenging me and thinking in a different way, because that is a very different skill set and they need to be in very different spots. In the organization. hundred percent. Totally. I have one of those too, where we we think we're always on the same page. We think really similarly and it's equally yeah. supportive in like a very different yes. way. Yeah. Yes, totally. exactly. Exactly. And and I think this goes back to what we talked the very talked about at the very beginning around what's the long-term goal here. Exactly. You know, and for me, the long-term big, big goal is to replace myself in in several aspects of the business and then amplify what I do in other aspects of the business, right? So like what parts of, because we have several different kind of like core functions of, of what we do and one side of our business, I can see in the future not being touched by me whatsoever, you know, yeah. like there, and, and that's, so that the, so the way you structure things when you know that big vision is gonna be very different than like, Totally. Had you asked me this six months ago, I would probably make be making different management decisions about who needs to go where. But okay. now that I know and I have clarity on the big, big thing, then I can get really specific and make the correct decisions for how to get there. And I think, man, I mean, I don't even know. I, I wish I could like more concretely like put that into words, but it's just so important to have that big vision figured it out. Is. It totally is. Yeah. One of the questions I get most often is like, well, what if I don't know what that is? I'm like, that's fine, but you need to figure it out. Right. Yeah. Like, like you what said, is... experiment, fail fast. Like that, right. that's the only way to get there. Totally. Like, and, and I think that successful business owners, especially in times of hardship, like during COVID or potentially during a recession that's maybe coming, like the businesses that sustain and or like grow during those times are the ones that are just like so fiercely attached to that, like, that vision and that why. And and if you don't know what it is yet, like, yeah, that that's okay. But you have you have to know what it is. Otherwise, when the hard days come, you're you're not gonna want to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I think even I think there's some some things here that I want to touch on just to make this feel more accessible to people because mm. yes, you absolutely have to know this but also it might change. Oh, but totally. also you're not going to get it right the first time. But also don't forget, like, don't, don't force yourself to like put it on paper if you're like, I really just don't know. I'm not feeling it. I, I think it totally. took me, I actually just pulled out, I have it in my desk, this piece of paper right here that's got like an exercise on your core values, your like 10-year vision, like what's your core like function as a business. And then you break that into kind of like three year, one year, 90 day goals. And I did that like within a few days of getting this LLC, obviously had been an idea before that, but I pulled it out the other day because it's been about a year and I was like, oh man, 
I was really off about some things. And then other yeah. thing I was things I was spot on about. And I but I think that's okay. And and just finding the time like when you feel inspired to just try yeah. to get some of that stuff down and not making it mean totally. too much and putting too much like emphasis on it, but trying to get something down because you never know what might come up on there. I mean, like the numbers that I put for how many employees and contractors that I have are like right on the money on this piece of paper. But cool. some of the other things are like way skewed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, absolutely. Yeah, totally. It, it definitely is going to change, right? Yeah. With every client that you have, with every quarter of business that you're in, with every world event that happens, your perspective shifts and you evolve as a person and you evolve as a leader. And that's going to inform what you're building in your business. Yeah. And I'm big on like getting actual data. Yeah. Like get the data, experiment, like see what people actually want to pay for, see what things you actually enjoy doing, what feels easy, what feels hard. And then you can evolve from there. And the other thing that I want to touch on again, to try to make this more accessible, not build it into this thing that people are like, oh my gosh, I don't know, like scary, run away, (laughs) run away from trying to write those things down. Because I think there's there's a lot of blocks that can come up on trying to do really long-term big visioning for people. Definitely, yeah. So the other thing that I have found is that it's okay if you waver in your commitment to the long-term stuff. Like as far as like day-to-day you know, sometimes yeah. you just like, I had a real bad day the other day and I was like, what the hell am I doing? Like, why am I doing this? This is huge. Does it really need to be like, do my goals really need to be that big? Like, is right. that really how I feel? But 90, 95% of the time, like I'm all, I'm all about it, you know, yeah. and just being okay with the fact that you're probably going to waver sometimes. Totally. Yeah. And I think a good kind of like litmus test for that is like, what is the thing you come back to? even if you do waver. Mm -hmm. Because like, you're right, we all have shitty days. Like we all, and especially as business owners of businesses are growing really quickly and have a lot of people involved. Like I have those days too, where I'm just like, what the actual fuck? Like, (laughs) like why, why did I do this? Why do I keep doing this? Why does everything feel hard? Like, it's just like, like there's nothing, there's nothing else I can do, right? I just have those days where I sit down on the couch and I'm just like, that's it. Like I'm just- I have nothing left today. Um, and uh, sorry, you can edit that out if you want. <laughs> no, good. And like, I think that the as you're like formulating this vision, as you're experimenting, as you're wavering, like when you get past the waiver, like what's the thing that you come back to? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I need to probably like think on that a little bit and have it as like a little sticky note on my computer <laughs> for when I do have yeah. those days. Because I usually just like, eh, I just... I wouldn't say I shut down, but I definitely pull back. And it, I, luckily, it's it's usually pretty short-lived, a day, you know, or a yeah. few hours. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, okay, now I got to like get back to work. <laughs> I also think it's really important as a leader to know what gets you back to equilibrium, yeah. right? Because like we do have those days, right? We have those days where it's just like everything is hard. Everything's going to shit. These people need this. These people need this. These Like I have days where I'm just like, my team needs this. My client needs this. My partner needs this. My parents need this. My dog needs this. And I'm just like, I want to shut down. Right. Yeah. And I'm a, I don't know if you're into human design. I'm just like throwing out all the personality yeah. metrics. So I'm a manifester. And so that means that I ha- am, I'm very, I'm an empath, right? Like I absorb other people's energy. I don't have like a defined energy center among other things. And so there's days where it's just like everything 
is like raining down on me. And all of these people are depending on me to initiate and like manifest all of these like things for them. And I've I've had to learn that in order to persist, in order to persevere, in order to have resilience, I have to know how I come back to center, mm. right? When I've had a really terrible day, how do I wake up the next day or three days later or a week later, however long it takes me to feel those things? When I come back, like, what do I need to do so that I can come back? Like, what are those things that bring me back to equilibrium? And I am, like, not a ritual person, not a self-care person. I'm not a morning routine person. Like, I roll out of bed, I make my coffee, and I sit down and I read emails. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. like, I, I've just, I, it's, it doesn't have to be a big to-do, right? But, like, yeah. what are the things that bring you back to center? So, like, for me, it's going on a walk. I walk my dog every morning because, like, I, that's what I need, right? I, like, I get up, I read emails, I do a little bit of work, and then I'm, like, okay. <laughs> got to reset and like start my day over again sometimes. And so I go on a walk or sometimes I need to like step outside and put my feet on the ground, right? Or sometimes I need to like take a shower. Sometimes I need to like lay on the couch and be like, nobody talk to me, nobody touch me. (laughs) Like I'm just going to be here for 10 minutes and I'll be back in a second. So like I think just really understanding how like how you recover and doing those things for yourself is really important and not making those things what they like should be. Right. Like, sure. There's days where like I don't I, you know, maybe I should like meditate, but I'm just like, I don't want to meditate. That's not going to feel supportive to me. Right. I need to turn my brain off and like watch Netflix for an hour. And like, that's what's going to help me wind down from the day. I love I love this because I am like pretty anti (laughs) self-care. My my coach Julia is going to be listening to this, and she's going to be like, "That's not true." I I I'm the same way. I don't have a morning routine or a nightly routine, or you know, I don't know. I don't do the the healthy boundaries thing around phone use or like. I just don't do any of that, and and I'm yeah. okay with that. Like, I just yeah. do what I want to do for the most yeah. part. And so I like that you said it doesn't have to like look how you know, people tell you it has to look or whatever, the things that you should do. For me, it's getting in the car and driving somewhere like, oh, go to Starbucks and get a coffee and be by myself and listen to music in the car. Like, just leave me alone. Or I'll pretend like I'm going to go to work into my office and I'll watch TV on my computer. Like, whatever, whatever it is, you know, it can be last night. It was staying up till 1am watching Vampire Diaries in bed. You know, do your thing. Do your thing, people. Doesn't have to be you know, even though I do like a facial every once in a while, like oh, do a little self a facial. facial mask yeah. or hot shower. I went to a, like a cool little foot spa this week. You know, yeah, yep. of course. I love all the luxury air quotes self-care stuff too, but that's not always like feasible or the thing that you really need. Totally. Yeah. I love that. Okay. What else? What else do we need to talk about? Man, there's so many. We'd probably have to do a whole episode on agile, I feel like. Yeah, that's a that's a big one. I just put out a four email series on agile that we converted into a blog post so there's a very lengthy blog post on our website that i can that we can link in the show notes that breaks it down in a ton of detail that would be great Uh, because yeah that's that's a that's a big topic yeah yeah i think we would need to do some like remediary education on that not like <laughs> yeah, just totally. for a, not just not for just listeners drop but like it for into the convers- yeah, yeah yeah like let's we need to yeah do some intro stuff well i think this has been awesome and 
again, like we didn't know we were going to, where we were going to go with this. And I think everything we talked about was super valuable and helpful for me as, as these conversations usually are. So I appreciate that. We'll put in the show notes, all the deets on where people can find you, all all the things like that. Is there anything else you want to leave us with that you think is just super important or on your mind? I think that what I want to say is that, you know, there's, there's so many people talking about business growth as an entrepreneur, as a small business, as a quote unquote online business, right? There's just, there's so much of that, especially if you're on social media. And I think every perspective is valid. And I think everyone has the right to their own beliefs and their own way of doing things. And mine is that if anyone is telling you that business growth is anything other than messy and human (laughs) and hard and unexpected and nuanced and complicated and it, like like they're just they're just not telling you the whole picture. I think that it's so common to talk about like yeah, we we grew really fast. We hit this major financial benchmark. We have a team of this size and that's great. Those are exciting benchmarks. We celebrate those. You're celebrating those. Like that's awesome. But it's what happens like in between all of those things that's like the really really hard shit, right? Like the days where you're just like what am I doing? Why isn't this working? Or Like, I can't believe this person, like, sent me this email that's so inappropriate. Or, cool, I have to look up employment law in, like, whatever. Like, (laughs) it's just, it's, there's just so much that goes into it. And, you know, there's, there's months where revenue is high and there's months where revenue is low. And there's months where intentionally you stop selling because you're like, this process is really broken and I don't feel good about delivering this to another person until we fix it. And it's worth it for me to like not hit that financial benchmark to like make this a better product for people and like scale back. And I think there's just like this presentation, even though people are starting to talk about this, it still persists like this presentation of, you know, graph that looks like this, right? Like continuous upward momentum at a quick pace, no matter what. And like that is just not how it works. And I'm really super sick of people hiring mentors or giving their business to people who who present it that way because sure it's sexy it's trendy and like good for them if they're successful right like we all want to be successful that's amazing they're seeing success but it's just not real and you know i think one of the biggest pieces of value that we provide to our clients is that we're really partners in what they're building right we're not going to sit there and be like your business should look like this it should perform like this you should be hitting these metrics right we're like what does your industry call for? What is your industry's standard that we're like measuring against, right? Like what is like the messy thing that we need to like get in the weeds on so that we can like really fix this? Like what are the hard conversations that we need to have? And so, you know, just kind of coming back to like the central theme of what you're talking about here. Like I think that even though people are quick to call out like social media as a highlight reel, I still don't think that the conversations about like realistically what business ownership and what leadership and what entrepreneurship can and will look like over the course of three years, five years, whatever is happening. Yeah. And one of the most freeing things that I experienced was just deciding, like, I'm not going to play that game, right? I don't, I don't care who I get lumped into when people think about, you know, 
right? Like there, like there's these like short lists of like, oh, like this, these five people over here, are, like all kind of similar. These five people do this. And I was just like, I'm not going to play this game, right? Like I am, I am going like off the grid. I'm going to run my business in a way that feels in integrity to me. And I'm going to work with clients who want to run their businesses similarly. And I'm going to follow my vision. And like, I'm just not playing this game anymore of, of pretending like it's like, it's all always fantastic and that every month is better than the last <laughs> spoiler alert it's not always fantastic it's, not. <laughs> it's so funny because i i feel very very strongly about this as well and i just posted a story maybe like last week of, of my daughter scribbling on the whiteboard like just scribbles i mean she's two like she can't write anything and i was like here you go here's your strategy to scale to seven figures overnight that's it right there yeah. good luck <laughs> good luck totally right because it doesn't exist like it's just yeah, it just doesn't exist. So, and yeah, and there's so many different ways to do it, exactly. right? Like it's, you can, there's so much money in the world and there are so many ways to make money. And I, I just feel so strongly that you need to work with people who believe that and are willing Absolutely. to be a partner in that with you versus prescribe anything because you can't, right? It's no, struggles. It's not going to work. You can't. Yeah, it's not going to work. And, and it's, and, and, there's so many factors and you touched on like several of them around like your industry and, you know, exactly what you're offering, like the way that you structure that can vary even within industries. And it's also about like, what do you want to do? What the hell do you totally. want to do? You know, totally. like what's your personality? Like, how do you yeah. like to work? Like what feels good? Like that. I, I agree. And I, I can, I just completely hate this narrative that's still out there that I, I do think that it's going away a bit, but it's still, like you said, it still persists. I still get hit with the ads of like, hey, here's the thing you need to do to like make whatever, whatever. I'm like, yeah, no, that's just well, not true. <laughs> and you know what's really interesting? Like it's it's going away, but it's not in my opinion, yeah. right? So like it used to be this narrative of like, here's what you do. Here's what you need to do to like be this person, make this amount of money, grow your business this way, right? And with the, like, you know, falling popularity of that language, it's just getting replaced by the next version of it, mm. right? Mm. Like, in my opinion, it's not actually changing. It's the same people just talking about it using different language, right? And yeah. kind of just, like, masking it a little bit versus actually working with people and empowering people and empowering yourself to, like, yeah, do it the way you want to do it. Yeah. Like, the, the, the businesses that we all look up to weren't born out of, like, doing things a certain way, right? No. They were born no. out of someone who was just like, I've got this idea that a lot of people are going to think is absolutely nuts. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I always go back to, like, this experimentation, this, like, desire to experiment and, like, commitment to experiment in your business is just yeah. absolutely critical. And like you said, totally. that's messy. It's not going to be perfect. Totally. Things are going to, some things are going to work. I mean, my first business that I had, this is my third business, which like, like, maybe I need to talk about more because like, it's extremely successful, but this is my third business. Like right. I have owned a business for a decade, right? One business or another. And my first business, I went years without paying myself. Okay. That's terrible. I don't want that for anybody, but yeah, the experiences that I had and the messy, terrible, awful shit that I went through for years and years is why I do things the way that I do things in this business. Totally. 100%. percent. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I think that you make a really good point too, which is like people are quick to praise experimentation, but then they hide 
the implications of that, right? And the implications of experimentation are like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And if it doesn't, that doesn't mean that you don't know what you're doing. That doesn't mean that you're not credible. That doesn't mean that someone should hire someone else instead of hiring you, right? It doesn't say anything about your capabilities other than that you are capable of trying things and thinking differently than the masses and being like brave enough to risk something because you think it might work and you're willing to learn if it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember at some point, I think it was Tim Ferriss who started asking his guests, like, what's an example of how you failed or something like that? And I need to like maybe do an episode on that because there are so many things I have failed at like massively. Like I've had, I've had like my first initial clients that I had in this business, one in particular that I ended up having to part ways with. And we've got an episode about firing a client that's pretty juicy. And this one client that I had to, I mean, I was losing money. I was legitimately losing money, but the only way that I learned that and had that terrible experience of losing money was by doing it. right? Right. And then I knew, okay, well, I don't structure my offer that way anymore. I don't structure my contract like that anymore. Like you have to just that's the benefit of the experimentation. And sometimes it goes really, really badly. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. (sighs) I love it. Well, sorry guys, that wasn't a positive note, but (laughs) I mean, it is, it is. It's just have fun with it. Experiment with it. You do you. I think that's how I ended ended the last episode. So maybe you should say something to end (laughs) it. So people aren't like, is that how it ends every time? (laughs) Yeah. What, what I can say is you're capable of solving a problem that no one else has figured out how to solve yet. Mm. The brands that we look up to, the iconic brands, the brands that we like love to consume because it feels good and it makes us feel more like ourselves, those brands identified a problem that other people in their industry hadn't identified. And they created a solution for that problem. And it required that they socialize their ideas it probably required that they spend more money, right? Because it probably wasn't the cheapest way to solve said problem. Otherwise, someone else would have done it. They probably felt really lonely along the way because no one else quite understood what they were trying to do yet, but they did it. And those people are just like you and are just like me and are just like all of us, right? They're just people. And to your point, the only thing that they did, not the only thing, one of the biggest things that they did that, you know, their quote unquote competitors didn't do was just have the vulnerability and bravery and tenacity and resilience to try. Mm-hmm. And persist. And persist. Mm-hmm. Yep. I love it. Well, there you go. That's a good place to end. <laughs> Fabulous. Fabulous. <laughs> Seriously, thank you. This was this was great. I really appreciate you being here. Yeah. This is an awesome conversation. Thanks for having me, Jordan. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Easy Scaling Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And if you send me a screenshot of that review, I will send you my 90-day planning formula. This is the same process that I use with all of my multiple six-figure clients to help them get organized, be more efficient, and scale faster. 